It's good. I'm glad you're here today. I hope you've enjoyed being in church. But again, as Pastor Greg has shared, it's not just about checking a box of obligation or duty today. It's about worshiping a risen Savior. Amen? And uh, I want to I welcome everybody to uh, PCN this morning. Uh, what an incredible day it is, a busy day in the life of our church. But just as we did last week, I think it's important that we never forget to declare a few things today as we get started. Amen? The first thing we're going to declare is that God is good. All the time. God is good. God is good. Amen. And we also declare today that He is risen. He is risen risen indeed. Amen. Every day is Celebration Sunday, and uh, we get to celebrate today, and I'm excited for that. Um, I want to invite you, if you have your your bulletin and your outline, to get that out. We're going to get diving in right here real quick. And we're going to conclude our series today, our why series, as we answer one more why question. And um, <clears throat> let me just ask you this before we get going. Have any of you just had a week? Anybody just say, man, it's been a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought as I, as I was praying through this series and, and looking at the different, the different titles that the Lord had given to me, that this would be the easy one uh, for me to preach I mean, this one just speaks to my life and what I've gone through in my life. And I thought, boy, this is going to be easy today. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I was here at 6.30 this morning just really wrestling over this. And I know when God does that in my life that He wants to do something special today. And I believe that today. Do you believe that? Amen. God is up to something. I'm excited for that today. So we want to conclude our series today where we've been asking these questions why? We started with, why don't I always feel God? Sometimes God doesn't seem like He's right with us all the time. Why don't I always feel God? We, then we went and we asked, asked the question and answered it through God's Word. You know, why didn't God answer my prayer? And we talked about the different, the different roadblocks into prayers being answered. And then last week was, last week was a fun one. We, we tackled the biggest why question that many of us ask. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is God not fair? And uh, we, we look to God's Word for answer there as well. And today we're going to do the same thing. We're going to look to God's Word to answer the question, why would God use me? Why would God use me? I've got to start this message with a quick personal story, and it, it was just solidified yesterday. One of the, one of the blessings that I have as uh, being on, on this district now is I've been asked to serve in the ministerial studies board. And what that is, is, is as pastors are coming through the process of getting their education and their experience, we sit on those boards and we make sure they've got their education in line, their experience in line. And the studies board is kind of the first step to, to ordination. And I tell people, I joke with it, we're the minor leagues to ordination. And so they got to go, we're the friends, ordination board is kind of the stern ones. But no, uh, all in all, it all works together. And yesterday I got to sit in meetings all day and hear stories about men and women who have dedicated their lives to the Lord. And they've asked this question, why would God use me? But they've answered that question and say, why wouldn't God use me? And uh, it, just, it just solidified my own faith and my own story because I was sharing with Pastor Greg this morning that it was 23 years ago that I sat in that back row as I shared with you last week and I said to God, why would you use me? 
why would you use me? And I had every excuse in the book, and I'm going to talk about some of them today. But I, I, I asked that question, God, why are you calling me? Why would you use me? And, and I've asked that question over many different times and seasons in my life. And there was a time two years ago <laughs> that I asked that question. I said, God, why would you use me to go to Pittsfield, Illinois? Why would you use me to go back there, <laughs> to go back to a place you've already used me at? Why would you use me again? Why would you do that? And as, as, we, as we went through that process, and you, many of you know the story, and we've, we've talked about it numerous times, but one of the things that stuck out to me recently is I've been asking this question of God lately as well. And I, I prayed and I sought God's direction in, in my life and for the life of our church as a whole, and, and God gave me some clear answers, and, and He gave us a clear vision and a clear goal to, to connect and engage with real people for real relationships and encounter real, have encounters, real encounters with God. And I'm so thankful for that. And as we went through that and God solidified that in our church, there's other issues that come up. Amen? <laughs> it seems like once you do one thing, it's something else. And, and God has, has done that again. And, and he's opened my eyes to some other things that are going on. And I've alluded to it in, in my annual report that, that we shared a couple weeks ago. Um, but one of those things is, God, you want to do something through PCN and through our location and through our campus that, that you have not done in a while or that maybe you've never done before. And God, how can you use us now as, as your tool, as your vessel? And, and we've gone through many steps as a church board and church leadership to, to really answer that question. God, how do you want to use our campus and through developing a, a campus building committee and talking with the church board and developing some conversations that have, have ushered us in as a church to say, God, how would you use us as a church in our campus? It has come to my attention that I've really got to settle this question as your pastor. And I really got to spend some time to really pray and, and, and discern what God wants for us as a church moving forward in our campus. And uh, it was in this last board meeting that we went to the board, and I asked the church board, I said, uh, it has been a privilege to, to preach and to, to teach and to really seek God's direction for the vision of our church, and God has given that in clarity to us. But what God hasn't done yet is He has not given us clarity in how He wants to use our campus. And uh, we've had these discussions over and over, and so it, it, it became clear to me that I needed to spend some concentrated time praying through this, this question and praying through this scenario. And so I, I requested of the board that through my direction over the preaching and teaching over the month of June, I'm not going to step away or be gone. I'm still going to be here. But for the month of June, we have some special services lined up. But Pastor Greg is going to be bringing God's word during the month of June so that I can spend some time specifically praying about how God would use us as a, on our campus. And you might be saying, well, how does this really apply to the message today? Because it applies because I've been asking this question a lot. God, why are you using me for this? I don't have a passion for construction. I don't have a passion for making sure the budget's met. I don't have a passion for building a new building or renovating old buildings. I don't have a passion for that. That doesn't come easy for me. And so I asked God the question, God, why would you use 
me in this? Why in this season of Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene am I the leader that you've chosen for this? (laughs) And God just says, let me give you step one. Once you do step one, we'll see about step two. Just continue to say yes to me. And so I've been asking this question a lot. God, why would you use me in this season at Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene? So I, I share that with you so that you know. You're going to see me around. I'm not gonna, my schedule's not going to change as far as the time that I'm here and my availability to you. Uh, I just will not be preaching to you for the month of June. I'll still be here and worship with you. I'm looking forward to that. Still be connecting with you throughout the week. And if you need me, don't hesitate to call. I mean, that's still the case. But it takes a lot of time to prepare and pray over uh, these messages and to deliver them. And so instead of focusing that time each week on that, I'm going to focus that specific time on the direction of our church and our campus. And so I covet your prayers. I, I, I ask you to, to be praying for me and with me during this time, to be praying for our leadership and our church board and our staff as we really dive into really what God is leading us to do. And you know, and I've said this to you before, I don't have a passion or a knack. It's not natural for me to, to dive into these kind of projects. I um, my wife, uh, she jokes with me, there's times at home if something breaks, she's like, can you fix it? I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't. Um, and so she'll try, and then I'll try, and then this great thing called YouTube helps us to kind of mend it, or I call somebody else that knows more than I do to help us. But most of the time, I just can't do those kind of things. I don't have that talent. You know, I, I, am, I am talented, and God has given me talents. I, I, I'm, I'm really good at doing laundry. And uh, in fact, in our home, that's the chore that I've kind of taken on for everybody now. I, I kind of do the laundry for the house. And, and uh, <laughs> I know you, you men are saying, just be quiet, just be quiet. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is possible. It is possible. There's two machines in your house. One of them you wash. One of them dries. It's amazing how this works. Uh, anyway, I, I, I'm good at it. I like it. The clothes get clean and they smell good. And my wife makes fun of me because I'll get a load of laundry out of the dryer and I'll smell it. And she's like, what are you doing? I said, it smells clean. It's new. It's fresh. Uh, so I, I'm good at it. You know what else I'm good at? I'm good at picking up my shoes from the living room. That's a talent God's given me. You know how he's given me that talent? Because I was a kid once who didn't do that. And I had a dad that was a lot like me that said, pick up your stuff, pick up your stuff, pick up your stuff. If you spent just 10 minutes a day picking up your stuff, you wouldn't have to do it all at once. Ian, I had a dad just like me that tells them that all the time. You know, you walk through our house and we got five kids and stuff is everywhere sometimes. But you won't see my stuff out. I'm good at picking up my stuff. I'm good at making sure my stuff's put away. Yeah, you can ask my wife. She'll, she'll attest to this. I have a talent in picking up my stuff. Believe it or not, I, I, I believe God's given me a talent to, to play sports, and I've enjoyed to play sports over the course of my life. And thankfully, uh, God did not bless me with the body to play sports and to do it at a high level. 
he just gave me this talent to tease me with. You know, I can kind of do every sport and decent at every sport, but I'm not great at any one. And, uh, but I, I love sports, and I love to play sports, and I'm thankful for that. You know? And then God called me, and he, he's using me to, to preach and to teach. And as I've continued to do that over my life, I believe God's given me a talent to preach his word and to teach it and proclaim it. And, and I don't say that to boost my, my ego or to, to, to bolster my resume, I say that because each and every one of us has been given talents. And so I want to start this by saying, you have been given a talent. You have been probably given more than one talent. You have a gift from God. What is your greatest talent? What are your greatest talents? You know, there's things in our life that just come easy for us. For some of you, that may be skills in your job. It may be in, in management or manual labor or talking with people or, or, or balancing a budget or, or teaching skills or maybe you're even like me and you've got some cleaning skills and you're just good at it. I don't know what it is, but you have talents. But here's the thing about our talents. They are never fully complete until we've surrendered them to the Lord. So the next question is how... Have you given your talent to God? How have you given your talent to God? I have to share this story with you again from a personal perspective. I was, we were in Oklahoma and we had just come through a, a hard year in ministry and in personal family things. And, and I remember sitting at district assembly that year. I had, I had to uh, kind of step in and, and give the report for our church and go through the meetings and, and really make sure that things were were turned in on time and everything was done and, and I was glad to do it, but I was sitting in that district assembly meeting and I was worn out. I was exhausted. And this season of life in my ministry and, and it was a season of life where I specifically felt God speak into my heart and say, BJ, I want you to put your career path on hold while you go and carry the armor for your dad. And I had no idea what we got into, but that year had been a tough year. And I remember sitting in that assembly service thinking, God, this year you've, you've got us through it. And I was giving God praise for it. And I was thanking him for it. But in that service, God had, has, was speaking to my heart again. And he says, you know what, BJ? You're good at what you're doing. You've done it for a while now that you know how to do it. But I need you to surrender your talent to me again. Are you willing to lay your ministry down at the altar? Are you willing to sacrifice the thing that is most important to you for me? And I remember sitting in that service thinking, you know what? There was, Abraham was asked to go and sacrifice his son, his, his firstborn, his, the, the covenant son. And, and Abraham was he, was, he was so obedient in that. And I remember thinking, if Abraham could do that for his firstborn, then I need to do that for my first love, for my calling. It's God's. I thought, God, you already have me. You already have all of me. He says, I need your ministry. I need your talents. I need what you're good at. Will you surrender them to me? You see, I was living life to the best of my ability. I was having fun doing ministry and doing what God had called us to do. But I was made to be used by God. And guess what? So are you. So are you. 
You were made to be used by God. You might be thinking there, you know what, Pastor, you're, you're on a track here that you're, you might be squirming in your seat a little bit. You might be thinking, you know what, I don't know the Bible as well as somebody else. I can't really do a whole lot. I can come to church and I can put a smile on and I can be nice to people, but don't ask me to teach or lead or anything else. I just don't know the Bible well enough. Or I just, I just don't like to talk to people. I, don't, I can't really be on the welcome team or, or a greeter because I'm just not that personable. I can't really do that. Or, or I, I just am too old to work with children and youth again and I just can't do that anymore. And and I just want to tell you this morning that you were made to be used by God. And if you're not being used by God, then maybe it's a time to resurrender. Maybe it's a time to say, you know what, God, why would you use me? I'm not nearly as good as so-and-so or so-and-so. And God says, you know what, I made you just the way you are. I created you. I made you. And I made you for such a time as this. You see, something that we fail to realize, I think, as as human beings is that our order in this world. Do I have any history buffs in in the congregation? A few of you. I mean, when we think about history and we think about all that's taken place, we can look at history in in an awe kind of way. Wow, that was amazing that so-and-so president did this, and, and so-and-so person did that, and they, they changed the world for their time. Did you realize that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew he would need you for this point in history? He knew he was going to need your specific gifts for such a time as this. He knew that you were going to be at Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene in the year 2019, and you were going to be sitting in a pew hearing a message about, guess what? I made you to serve me. I made you to love me. I created you for relationship. So I know what I'm doing. You were made to be used by God. You were made for this specific time. This specific place, you were made to serve God in this specific moment. But if you've ever felt those thoughts of question, if you've ever been concerned about the doubts in your life, if you've ever compared yourself to somebody else, you're not alone. And I want us to look at a few stories from God's Word today that will help us to see that we're not alone. And the first one is, is, is by, uh, from a man by the name of Gideon. And if you turn in your Bibles to the book of Judges, we're going to read a little clip from Gideon's life. But Gideon, Gideon really was a man of God. Gideon was a warrior. Gideon was eventually obedient to what God wanted him to do. Gideon was a leader, and he didn't realize it. But Gideon was empowered by God at just the right time. But Gideon, just like many of us, he struggled with his doubts and his questions. And, and we pick up the story in Judges, Judges chapter 6, and we see that Gideon is just doing his job. Okay, Gideon is just doing his job. His job at this time was to thresh wheat. 
So he was at the threshing floor pressing wheat down. But this day, something had happened, and Gideon was not at the job site. He was working from a remote location, if you will. Any of you ever work from home? I love it when I can go into Marilyn's office and say, Marilyn, I'm working from home today. And she knows what that means. That means that if she needs me, she can call me and, and text me and I'll be available. But there's something going on at home and I, I've got to juggle two things at once. And that's, that's the case. Gideon was working remotely, but it wasn't because he was trying to do two things at once. Gideon was at the wine press doing his job. So the wine press, you take the grapes and you press the grapes down and you make wine. His job was to thresh the wheat to make something for food. I don't know. I'm not a cook. But that's what he was doing, Okay. But he wasn't doing it where he was supposed to. Why? Because Gideon was scared. Gideon was scared. Gideon knew that the day was coming when he was being called to action. And Gideon took his job. He went over to the wine press. And he's doing his job in a place that's not natural for his job to be done. Why? Because the Bible says he was hiding from the Midianites. Gideon was hiding from them. (laughs) The Lord spoke to Gideon and reminded him that he was God and that he was with Gideon. And the Lord said to Gideon, I am with you, mighty warrior. Those were the words that God used to talk to Gideon. So I want you to do me, do me a favor right now. Would you turn to your neighbor? And if it's a man, I want you to say, I just lost it. I want you to say this, if it's a man that's your neighbor, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. If it's a woman, I want you to say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior princess. How many princesses do we have in the house? You are a mighty warrior. You are a mighty warrior princess. In other words, God has a specific job for each and every one of us. And God said to Gideon, don't be afraid I am with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon begins to ask the Lord, why did all this happen? Why is this going on? And and where are you, God? Where are your signs and wonders? Why are we suffering? We asked that question last week, but here's here's the response. We pick it up in verse 14. Judges chapter 6, verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. God said to him, go in the strength you have. How did he have strength? Because God was with him. Go in the strength I have given you. And Gideon saying, I can imagine in his head, if not out loud, why would God use somebody like me? Why would God use somebody like me? Let's take a look at that a little bit closer. Who does God most often use? Let's look at this. Three quick things. God often uses, God uses the insecure. Number one. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, we read about another man that was confronted with the with the voice of God. We read about Moses. Moses, if you remember Moses' life, Moses was born into Egypt when they were on a, on, a, uh, on a birth freeze, if you will, population freeze. 
Uh, and they said, no more boys can be born. We're going to kill them. And Moses was born during that time. And his mom hit him in the Nile River. And, and he floats down. And, and, and the, the palace princess, <laughs> Potiphar Pharaoh's wife, finds him in the river and says, who is this boy? Let's find his mother and nurse him. And we will raise him as our own. And Moses is raised in the palace. Moses is given the royal treatment. And he's raised in the palace, but he knows as a young teenage boy, most likely, that he's not supposed to be there, if you will. It's not his natural place. And Moses begins to wrestle with these feelings, and Moses goes out one day as he's still wearing the, the, the princely wardrobe, and he sees some of his own people, now that he knows who they are, slaves, in a fight with one of the Egyptians, and he goes and kills a man and buries him in the sand. Moses, Moses killed a man. And then we hear about Moses that he gets confronted later on, and he flees to go live with his family. And he flees the palace, he leaves the life that he's used to, and he goes out and he begins to, to take care of the herds, and he's, he's out in a remote place all alone, and he's, and he's walking with his, his herd, most likely his sheep, and he gets to this place where they're bedded down for the day, and all of a sudden there's this bush there. And the bush begins to be put on fire. Can you imagine this for a minute? It's in the middle of the desert, most likely, and Moses is there, and there's this, the one piece or the very few pieces of, of shrubbery or life that's in the desert now is beginning to burn, yet it's not being consumed. And out of this burning bush, Moses gets a little bit closer because he's pretty interested in this, and he hears the audible voice of God. And God says this to him, this is holy ground, take off your shoes, I'm going to talk to you, we're going to have an encounter. And he begins to tell Moses what he's going to do. And he tells Moses, Moses, you came from Egypt and I want you to go back to Egypt. There are people there that are your people that I want you to deliver them from slavery and from bondage. Moses, I need you to go. And Moses, right here in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, here's Moses' immediate response. Pardon your servant, Lord. In other words, excuse me, I think you have the wrong number. That's what Moses is saying there, okay? I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Does this sound familiar? I can't teach that class. I don't have the words. I can't talk well. I don't talk good to people. I know some of you have said that because you've said it to me. And I'm not God. But I want you to know Moses had the same excuses that you and I have. Moses didn't look at this as, a, as an opportunity to serve. He looked at this as, boy, God, why would you use me? Why would you use me? Excuses, excuses. And so it makes me question us today. What excuses are you making? What excuses are you making when God says, go? I am with you. 
I think we all come up with an excuse. I can't teach that class. I can't greet people at church. I'm too old and I'm too young. And then whatever excuse we can come up with, too busy. The reality is we don't even know ourselves as good as we think we do. Because guess what? You didn't make you. God did. You didn't make you. God made you. So you may think you know what your strengths are. You may think what you know your talents are. But you don't even know as good as he knows. And so when God comes to you in your burning bush, whatever it is, in your threshing floor, in your job, and he says, go in the strength I'm giving you. I'm not good at that, God. You got the wrong person. He says, be quiet. I was going to use a harsher word, but I won't. (laughs) He says, be quiet. You didn't make you. You don't know. I made you. I am the God who made you. I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were even born. He knows exactly what he wants to do with you if you'll say yes to him. We pick up the conversation with Moses in verse 11 and 12. And the Lord said to Moses, here's his answer to him. Who gave human beings, who gave man their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, Moses, you may think you can't talk good, But I'm the one that gave you the mouth. And I'm the one that will give you the words. Now go. I will help you speak. And I will teach you what to say. You see, God uses the insecure. He gives them opportunities to serve. God will help you. God will teach you. God will use insecure people. Number two, God will use the unlikely God will use the unlikely. A pastor friend of mine has this quote. It's in your outline. I think it's really good. If you're the smartest, the funniest, the most talented, the best athlete, the best looking, God can still use you, but he prefers to use ordinary people. I like to change that a little bit. Because if we're the smartest, funniest, most talented, best athlete, or best looking, there's times when we just rely on ourselves. And I would change that to say, God might still use you. Because there's times when we don't trust Him. I got this. I got this. I'm good at this. I can do this just fine. I can stay in my comfort level. God wants to use ordinary people, the unlikely, to say, I can use you. Here's an unlikely candidate for Samuel 16. We read about Samuel, and he's going to choose the new king for Israel. And, and the Lord directs Samuel to the house of Jesse. And right away, Samuel sees the sight of the sons, and he sees them lined up before him, and he thinks he knows who it is. Let's pick this up, verse 6. Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, get this, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at an outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, Samuel was looking for the obvious. 
God chooses the unlikely. I'm so thankful for this in my own life. It's, it's easy for me to get into the comparison trap, especially when I was younger and I was seeing these great preachers before me and these, these great men of God that were tall and big and had deep voices. They were outgoing and personable. That's not me. I'm a scrawny little kid that has a squeaky voice and zits all over his face. God said, I'm not looking at your appearance. You're overlooking something that I'm looking at. I want to choose the unlikely. God specializes in using those that are overlooked. You might be sitting there this morning thinking, you know what, I don't have the best qualities that some. I would argue that. But anyway, we won't, we won't stop there for a minute. But you might be saying that, but you might also be saying, I don't have the best qualities. I don't have all the, the great talents that some might have, but I am willing to be used by God. And you've said yes to him. I want to tell you about some opportunities that we have for you to serve. Opportunities that when you've said yes to God and you're just looking, God, show me a sign and you happen to be driving by a truck that has all the street signs in it. Have you ever seen that movie? Anybody seen that movie? He's praying to God, 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 I just need a sign. I need to know which way to go. I need you to show me a sign. I just need any kind of sign. And he's following a road truck that has all the signs in the back of it. He's like, Here your, here's your sign. So you might be sitting there thinking, you know what? I've said yes to God, but I need a sign of where to serve. I need a sign of what can God do through me? How can he use me? Here's some opportunities for you. We have opportunities right here on our campus to say yes to God. We have opportunities to go at the Samaritan's Closet and to sort clothes and to, to meet with people and to talk with them and just to encourage them and to pray with them and show them that, that God loves them and so do you. We have opportunities to serve there. We have opportunities for young and old alike to work with our children and our youth. And we, need, we, we, we have those opportunities that, that God is saying, you know what? You might think you're the not, class, not uh, qualified, but I'm looking just for you. I'm looking just for you to help lead Children's Church. I'm looking just for you to be a sponsor with the youth group. I'm looking just for you to commit your life to me and say yes. I'm looking for you today to serve me an opportunity today to come and bring food for his little feet, to come and to say, you know what? We love you. We're so glad you're here. An opportunity to serve because we're having this great outreach event for the whole community tonight to say, you know what? I can give five extra minutes because this preacher's going long anyway. I'll have to go to McDonald's because my food's burnt anyway, but I'll go help clean up the stage. There's an opportunity. Opportunities. Opportunities that God can say, guess what? I have a need, and I'm looking for you. Here's the thing I want us to realize. If you do get nothing else out of this service today, here's what I want you to hear. God's need could be your legacy. It's not in your notes, but if you need to write it down, write it down. God's need could be your legacy. God he uses the insecure. He uses the unlikely. And finally, God uses the broken. In the New Testament, we read the story about 
A man who's eager to serve. Say yes, no matter what. And, and we read this story about one of, one of Christ's chosen disciples, Peter, bold Peter. Peter is there. He's saying yes to God, no matter what, Jesus, I will go with you, no matter what. And Jesus says, Peter, that's bold. And guess what? I hate to tell you this, but before the rooster crows three times, or before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. No way, Master. I love you so much. I'm so committed to you. I'll go with you anywhere. I'll even die for you. Okay. And you know how the story goes. We're going to look at Luke's gospel and his account of this, and we see what happens. Peter's going along. He doesn't just deny Jesus once. He's following them as they've arrested Jesus and they're going through all the different trials and everything that they're shipping Jesus around. And Peter's following at a distance because he wants to see what's happening to his master. And one time somebody says, I think you were with him. No, no, you got the wrong guy. He keeps following him. Yeah, you look like one of them. No, 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 not me. And then finally, they have Jesus in the courtyard. He's, he's waiting to meet for his next thing. And Peter has made his way inside the inner circle there. There's a fire most likely going on, and people huddled around it. There's a gathering of people waiting to see what happened. And Peter's there just kind of trying to blend in. Peter's sitting there trying to blend in. And all of a sudden, somebody says, wait a minute, you're not from here. You've been following him this whole time. You were with him. You were with Jesus the Nazarene. And this is what he says, Luke 22, verse 60. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he said those words, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I don't care how bad you've messed up. You don't mess up bigger than Peter did. You don't mess up better, bigger than Peter did. But here's what we need to know about this. When the Lord looked on Peter... The Lord was not looking at Peter with this look like, I told you so. I'm right. You were wrong. Guess what? Here we are again, Peter. It wasn't that look. It was a look to Peter to say, Peter, I love you. Peter, it's okay. Peter, I still need you. Peter, will you say yes to me? Peter, I love you. Peter, I love you. Peter, I love you. You see, we don't mess up bigger than Peter did. But we might be sitting there thinking, you know what? God can't use me. I've messed up on my own. <laughs> I've said this numerous times. One of the things God has helped me with in recent months one of the things that I've said to my wife, even since we've been here, is how can God use me when I still struggle with my anger and my temper? And as I lay it down here, and I said, God, I don't want to be mad anymore. I want you to use me. 
but I'm broken. I'm hurt, and I've hurt others. And Jesus, I hope, I pray, that Jesus looks at me with that same look that he looked at Peter, the same look that he's looking at you. And he says, guess what? I love you. I need you. Will you say yes to me? Here's the good news today. If you've been broken, God can use you. If you've been hurt, God can use you. If you've been healed, God can use you. If you've been forgiven, God can use you. You see, after the resurrection, Jesus had forgiven Peter. And the, the resurrection has happened and Jesus has told the disciples, go to Galilee and wait for me. I'm going to give you the one that's coming after me that's greater than I and, and we know that Pentecost is right around the corner. This is a big event that, that Jesus, his whole mission, and, and the Spirit is coming, and it's going to be this huge event for evangelism and outreach, and, and there's going to be tons of people there. And guess who Jesus picks to be the keynote speaker? Peter. Peter. Peter says, God, why would you use me? I disowned you three times. Peter, I love you. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, I still need you. And Peter went that day of Pentecost and he preached with fervency and he preached with passion. Why? Because he'd been forgiven. He'd been hurt and broken, but he'd been healed. And who better to talk about forgiveness than the man who just experienced it firsthand? Amen. Amen. And the Bible says that 3,000 people got saved. Wow, I haven't reached 3,000 yet, Pastor Greg, but I'm working on it. God can use you if you've been broken, hurt, healed. Forgiven, God can use you. God can use you. What does God want to go? What does God want to do through you? Matthew 14, 28 and 29. We're going to close with this last step. What does God want to do through you? Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water. And came toward Jesus. What does God want to do through you? For you to find out, you must step out to find out. You have to step out to find out. Moses, he said to Moses, go. Just go. Moses, step one. Be obedient and go back to Egypt. I will give you the words to say. To David, he said, now go and fight that Philistine giant that's mocking my people. Just go, just go do step number one and I will give you the stone that will kill the giant. Peter, you've been forgiven, now go and preach my word. I'm with you. What does God want to do through you? You've got to step out to find out. You've got to step out to find out because here's the deal. God's need might be your legacy. 
God's need might be your legacy. You see, all of you here today have said yes to step one. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, God's given us a goal as a church to connect and engage. We talked about it. We do that through steps and, and through different, there's a process that we use. And those processes, three steps that, we've, that God has given us to love, to grow, and to serve. The love step is right here. It's happening. By you committing and saying, yes, God, it's Sunday morning. I could do anything else I want because I don't have to work today. You chose to come here. Step number one, you came to love God today. You came to worship him. Now, you might have not had much to give him today. You might have had just 5% to give him. But if you gave him your 5%, you did step one. Maybe you came in full today and you had 100. And you gave him 100. You did step one. God says, and I believe it, (laughs) why would you use me, God? Well, if you love me and you do what I say, oh, it's going to be so good. And as we get out of the boat and we find out what he wants to do, he gives us sometimes just a step at a time. Just a step at a time. Why would God use you? The first step is to love him. If you love him, you come to church and you worship him with all that you have. Everything that you have, you give it to him. And I guarantee you as you do that and you do that continually and you continue to meet with others that are doing the same thing as the Bible talks about, God will continue to spur in you something new. And God will say, you know what? You got step one down. I want to give you step two. Step two, I want you to get plugged in with a group. I want you to connect and engage and get some real relationships that will help you. Oh, boy, I like that as a pastor because that's the grow step. That means we're, we're learning and we're growing. We're, we're meeting God. We're asking questions. We're learning and God's using us. And as we continue to do that and we do that and we say yes to that, God says, guess what? I got one more thing for you. I want you to serve me. I want you to serve me. You love me with all that you have, and I'm continuing to work this out in you. Now I need you to be used by me. Will you say yes? (laughs) Why would God use you? He's going to use you to love, to grow, and to serve. He's going to use you because you're a little insecure. He's going to use you because you're most likely the unlikely choice. He's going to use you because you've been broken and hurt. God will use you because he loves you. God's need could be your legacy. God's need could be your legacy. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Part of this whole process of me really spending some time, focused time on asking God, God, what is that next step? I really feel God's telling me as your pastor, I need you to step out to find out. And I want to thank the church board, and I want to thank you. You may not understand the whole picture, and I I get that. I don't either at times, but I'm going to trust God with it. And as your pastor, I want you to know that I'm going to be diligent about this, and I need your prayers. And one part of that process, we believe as a church board, was uh, we made the decision to purchase a new church sign. Many of you might have seen that out front as you drove up, and... uh, I'm not going to tell you about the whole process because I'm just not going to do that right now. But I want to, I want to tell you that you can be part of, of the next step in that process. And, and Pastor Greg and I, we wanted to do something just small. 
So after we pray here today, I'm going to invite you, if you want to come and gather around that sign out there, we're going to pray over that sign. You might be thinking, Pastor, that is crazy. It's just a sign. Yeah, but guess what? That sign has a purpose. That sign (laughs) has a purpose for being there. And so I'm going to ask you, you can go out this door and gather around the sign, and it's just going to be short. We're going to just pray over that sign and pray that God would use us as a church and use this as a tool. And then I'm going to ask you as well, if you, if you can't stay for that or you don't want to go outside and you want to just stay in here, we're going to come back in here and we need some help to kind of take down some chairs and take down some of this stuff so that we can enjoy a great time of worship tonight. So I'm going to invite you, there's a two opportunities right here as we respond to just say yes to God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. God, whatever burning bush you're putting in front of us, whatever moment that you have us running or we're running and hiding from you, I pray, God, you'd look us in the eyes, you'd pull us up and say, do not fear, for I'm with you. I am with you, mighty warrior. I will be with you. I will use you. I have created you for such a time as this. God, would you help us to continue to say yes to you? And when we're tempted to ask the question, God, why would you use me? God can look at us and say, because I love you. Because I love you. Help us, Lord, in these next few hours and these next few days to be open to your Holy Spirit pricking our hearts to step out of the boat and find out what you have for us. Thank you in advance, God, for what you're going to do in and through your people here at Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. If you want to join us, go out this door. You can walk around if you're in the back. We'll be out there just for a few short minutes.